I got an email shortly before we started recording today. Mm. And it's not often I feel sorry for a video game. <laughs> okay. But it was a bad, bad, bad time to email me about a game debuting called Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As the king of thieves, we will steal, rob, fight, help the poor, and also develop a forest village in its community. Fight with us. So good for them. (laughs) But when I get an an email titled Robin Hood Premiere, my first instinct is to bin it or, you know, think it's about the other thing and be like, well, I know everything about that already. Uh, I'm sorry to mean astronauts, but you picked maybe a bad time. Yeah. Some sort of strategy game. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I would have recommended waiting a couple of weeks. Maybe they're hoping that this is the perfect time because people will talk about them just because they share a coincidental name. Yeah. It's it's release date is TBA. Oh, okay. Maybe their idea is they're thinking they will capitalise rather than be overshadowed. I honestly think... that and And... You're talking about them on this podcast. That's Maybe true. It, it did work. It did Fucking work. hell. I said my first instinct would be to bin it, but I did click on it. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. You you were all ready to poo-poo their, uh, their PR idea, but it's worked. They got you to talk about their Robin Hood game. And on a platform that is, you know, decent. Yeah. I mean, essentially what Robin Hood has done is he's robbed me. It's... <laughs> It's stolen a spotlight. It has taken my attention. It has thieved publicity. Robin Hood truly is the builders of Sherwood. That's its subtitle. It has taken attention from the big news story and given it to the little news story, just as Robin Hood would do. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Robin Hood does whatever a spider can. (laughs) I feel like we're going to need to fucking start with that story today because I don't think there's any getting around the big, weird, terrifying, confusing, complicated story that happened this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Robin Hood is an action-adventure game combining (laughs) RPG and city-building elements where we will play the role of a classic hero to... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've stumbled into a trap. What I've done... What you've done. What I've done is I've laid a trap for myself by thinking that the top story you were referring to was Robin Hood Builders of Sherwood. Oh, it it, it was, it was. Wait, is there another story that I could be re- I could have referred to? No, actually, no, no. Um, I mean, who would want to when we could talk about the system requirements? Yeah, what are the system requirements? Uh, I think they're pretty good. Um, I don't know anything to to know that, but, you know, the processors in Intel Core, uh, i3, 2100, oh. AMD. Oh, that's quite an old uh, processor. That means it probably run on low hardware. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah four, four g- b- b- RAM, uh, GeForce GTX 5050 Ti. Yeah, that I remember that is not all that new, I don't think. Intel HD 620, you'll need 30 gigabytes. <laughs> Um, that's the uh, minimum, actually. Sorry, I read the oh, wrong column. Really? Recommended is, uh, um, oh, you're wanting an i5 uh, 4670K. Uh, so us us buffoons are going to try and talk about stock trading this week. That's gonna be that's gonna be a time. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a thing. I for a, like a very brief moment, I had a poke around at that to see what all the fuss was, 
and naively at one point was like, well, maybe I can use capitalism against itself and cheat the system <laughs> in the way that, you know, we think prime subs take out of Jeff Bezos's pockets. Your creative descriptions yeah. of that, though, are great. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, um, I I couldn't. I, it was like I had a poker bell. Enough. You don't need much to understand, like, how fucked up it is. No. And just how, like, the tiniest things, and sometimes just the most arbitrary things. Mm. I got enough to, like, get a sense of how messed up it is, and then it just felt too dirty. I was like, this isn't... I can't do this. This just makes me feel gross. I'm going to try and explain the the real, real, real simplified version of what is mechanically happening, and then throw this to Conrad, who actually understands the implications of what's happening. So there's this thing called short-selling, where big investment firms will look at a company like, let's say, GameStop, and go, we think that the price of their shares is going to go down. So we're going to borrow someone's shares and hold on to them. We're going to sell them, let the price drop, and then buy them back when the price is lower, then give them back to the original person. We make a profit because we were correct that the price went down. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Now, the last time I heard about things that where, where people, like, thought a thing would happen and then it happened. Like, it sounds to me you're describing some sort of genie or, you know, magic-based, like a wizard? Are the, are the people who... Are the people who guess a thing and then it just happens are they wizards or some sort of sorcerers well see they very much thought they were wizards right they, they were working on the assumption that they were wizards no that i, I don't think that that's fair at all i don't no, think that they no. were operating under the assumption that they were wizards they were operating under the assumption that the financial system that they had designed yeah. was perfect oh yeah that's true i got confused most of them are grand wizards that's it ah yeah. So basically, all these big companies are like, well, let's borrow some stock, sell it, buy it again when it's lower price, give it back. Mm -hmm. And this all works very nicely for them and makes them a big profit, dot, 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 assuming that the price of the shares goes down as expected. And this is a tremendous risk, this kind yes. of thing, because if the stock is successful, there is literally no limit to how much money you could wind up owing if you stay in. Yeah, because that's the problem is, let's say that the stock price goes up and up and up and up instead of down and down and down and down, you now have to buy all of that stock you've sold at a much higher price if you want to give it back to the person you borrowed it from. And you have to at some point. Yes. Now that's either, de you know, determined by the length of the term of the agreement or you can just do it at any time prior to that. But at some point, you're going to have to pay the piper. Yes. And let's just say, what if hypothetically a Reddit community decided, hey, all these people have bet on GameStop's uh, value going down. What if we bought so much GameStop stock that the price went really high up and we kept a hold of it and didn't sell it so the price stayed really high and basically bankrupted some investment firms? Have I understood that correctly, Conrad, that that's basically what, what is going on? Um, yes and no. I mean, yes, that is generally an, that is a perspective on it. Yeah. But there's also going to be a bunch of people who are thinking, I'm going to make a bunch of money yes. buying in at this GameStop 
low level price, mm. riding this high and getting out when I've made a tidy bit for myself. Oh, yes. Ooh. I have another question. Mm. As the one who knows the least about the economy because it's confusing <laughs> and scary. Um, is it is what you're describing a crime? No. This is entirely legal. Okay. Yeah. Now, there are regulations and requirements and restrictions on the execution of them, but yes, this is a, a legal practice. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, a lot of the descriptions I, I read about short sales, they like to use terms like, it's a bet, or you're making a wager. Yeah. Thereby uh, creating a sort of metaphorical comparison to gambling mm. or suggesting perhaps that the stock market is, is itself, through implication, a big casino. That was another reason I didn't want to stick around. Yeah. Because, like, with the dicking about, I felt a bit of that as well. And. Oh, it's, mm. it's why I will never fucking touch stocks because I know the uh, sunk cost fallacy is a real thing, and when money is on the line, that that can get real bad. Mm. Yeah, my rule about casinos is you. Well, I described it in a video once. I go in, I'll get one of their little cards with ten bucks on it, make about sixty or not, but I'm mostly there for the buffet crab. Yeah. Now with Robin Hood. You don't get buffet crab. No, it, with Robin Hood, you can't go and like get a cup full of two peas and do the like. Can I make the two peas fall out the front of the yeah. thing by where I make it fall? Game. You can't do that with yeah. Robin Hood. You also can't do the other thing. There is no bar at Robin Hood where you can sit with the the older ladies who are all there getting free drinks so long as they keep pressing the flashy buttons on the fruit machines built into the table. Yeah. You can't do that. If When gambling with Robin Hood, you don't get free drinks or expensive crab. The reason we've brought up Robin Hood in the intro is there's a, basically there's a, an app called Robin Hood that lots of people on this Reddit are using to do like very small stock purchases. Right. This is in a lot of ways kind of the logical extension, the ultimate end point of a gradual democratization of access to the markets. Yes. Because the financial grand wizards all realized, oh, we could be making a whole lot more money on transactions if we had more people making transactions. And so yeah. slowly over time, new avenues and methods have opened up to make it easier and easier for any schmuck to purchase stock. Yeah. And if a lot of those schmucks decide we're going to do a thing, they have power to really fuck with a stock value, if if only in the short term. Now, you know, this, this it's interesting that this happened to GameStop. Yeah. Because this is probably not a conversation we would be having on this podcast at all ever if it hadn't happened to a game-adjacent corporation. Yeah. But it's worth noting that some of this has been going on for some time, yeah. and there have been uh, some really interesting and somewhat horrifying situations when viewed from the perspective of some of the things that we see so often happening in the games industry and around the larger games community and buying consumer audience. So, back in... 2017, Elon Musk predicted a similar situation happening with Tesla. Tesla was not performing well. And while they certainly had plans and, you know, ideas for how they were going to continue to grow the business, 
there started to become a view among some hedge funds, some investors, that it was a good short sale opportunity. And as we you know, saw, Tesla has wound up becoming an incredibly successful company from a stock mm. perspective. Um, that bet did not pay off. That was one thing I noticed when I looked at the Robin Hood was that's a lot. Yeah. 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 Tesla stock is very expensive. Yeah. And part of the reason it was able to survive that short sale push is because it had a very dedicated following of people who were dedicated to the Tesla brand and mission as it was conveyed through its communications. Mm. Those people kept the stock strong. Yeah. Now look at this situation. I don't think these people care. Yeah. You've got a real fight seeming to happen in that community between the people who are like, let's keep a hold of this stock to try and make a point versus the people who are there purely to ride the wave and try and get a quick buck out of it. And there is no clear distinction between the two right now. And that is itself a little frightening. May I just have a brief stab at s- summarizing it myself? It's it's not going to take very long. <laughs> mm-hmm. From what I'm gathering, a handful of people who aren't us decided how the economy should work. And then some other people who aren't us decided not to make it work that way. And now nothing is real i mean basically and never has been has it ever has anything ever is any of this real well no that's the problem is a big part of it is about perception and expectation yeah a stock is you own a small percentage of a company and therefore reap the benefit of profits from that company's success that's at essence what a stock is but it's all based on what people say they think they're gonna make on it you know it's about a willingness to purchase it at a price it's basically to put on my haha me silly and just still not very knowledgeable but just fucking smug it's a bit like the american constitution yeah where it only exists because we all just assumed that it works until someone right uh, decided it didn't work and that they just wouldn't they just wouldn't and no one could stop them because nothing was real I mean, that's a, a, a pretty fair summary. I, I do think... Yeah, you know, fucking hell. To sort of ground a little more in... <laughs> what mm. stops me from burning a car? Oh, so I just remembered that cops stopped me from burning a car. And then... <laughs> hey, hey, cops can't arrest you if you don't believe in cops. That's <laughs> how oh, it works. God. Here's why this is a little bit kind of scary. This doesn't just have to stop at GameStop. And I'm not talking about, you know, fucking with hedge funds and short sellers. I'm the last person you are going to hear giving a stirring defense of short sellers. Oh, yeah. If the only consequence in the world is some short sellers have a very bad week, then I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. I mean, in essence, the short sale is saying... 
I believe that this is going to fail. Mm. Failure in an economic business sense in almost all circumstances means a loss of jobs, a loss of security for real people. And you are making a bet against that and not just making that bet, but in many cases, actively working to push the failure of that system. Well, exactly, because all of you doing the short selling, selling your shares are making the share value go down because it's saying no one wants these shares. It's a it, it's a less worthwhile company. Well, not not merely that, but it is in your interest to make the company perform worse. So you use messaging. If you're an investment company, you know, if you have a notable investor, you broadcast that message that, oh, well, you know, based on these figures, it doesn't look like it's going to perform well. You're actively working to destroy the thing because you will make money off of its destruction. So let's imagine that it's not just about short sellers at some point. Let's say that this kind of market manipulation is then applied to things like, oh, I don't know, a financial firm. Yeah. Let's say it happens to Goldman Sachs. The value gets hugely artificially inflated. It causes a bubble. The bottom falls out as everyone bails. Some people make a tremendous amount of money yeah. and a lot of people get fucked. And the thing we have to remember, at least as it pertains to the United States, is so much of the future of people over the course of the last 40 years has been taken out of a corporate held pension that they were going to receive and put into 401ks and other financial vehicles that are effectively in many ways helping to keep aloft high stock values. The bottom falls out from that. Yeah, basically you could you could real fuck up the pensions industry with this. You could I mean it, it could be enormously devastating if the right people can get enough of the wrong people to do this kind of manipulation. It's opened the door for weaponizing hype against our economy in a way that we've never seen before. Fucking hell. Now, <laughs> do we celebrate this? Like, because there is a very real part of me that sort of feels like, well, the whole thing does have to come down eventually. I mean, this does seem like a step that brings us one step closer to the downfall of capitalism by proving the ter terrifyingly flimsy scaffolding on which it's built. It's not even real. I just came back from fucking outside to put that car out. Right. The cops are out there burning more cars. Yeah, because none of it's real. Because it's not real. None of it's real. And the sooner that everyone realises none of it's real, probably the better things will be in the eventual term, but... I mean, there would be some very rough, bad times on the way to getting out the other side that way. So anyway, all this is to say that I'm really pissed off about all of these financial publications and so forth referring to these things in terms of bets and wagers and casino language, because the casino is underwritten by everyone's future, and you shouldn't treat it like it's entertainment. Yeah, yeah, like, this is not a fun, silly little game. Like, that is a company that has employees working at it who... You know, currently the company they work for is being bounced around like a silly pinball in a very confusing game of do we tear down financial institutions or not. So anyway, 
that's happening. And it's ongoing. I checked this morning. The stock's still at like, a, it was at 157 uh, when I saw it. All I know is, all I know is, I inflated the prices of the Boglin market. I know that. You created the Boglin bubble? I'm the Elon Musk of Boglins. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I wanted to get make sure we had that story on there because, like, I didn't fucking understand it at first, and I was like, I I needed some working through what the fuck was happening, and hopefully, yeah, listeners have some vague understanding of what's going on now too. I hope we've helped. I hope, yeah. As gross as I felt, like the full implications of the shit, like it's just shudderworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, when you hear its games, when you hear its game stop. Yeah. Like, you rem- when Conrad told me this morning what the stock price was, <laughs> that it was more than what on Monday I was ranting and raving about with Activision. Yeah. I burst out laughing. I, I, <laughs> it's over a hundred bucks. It was a $10 billion company briefly. Yeah. Uh, to all of you who are out there like, ah, oh, I'll get in and get that 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 big money train, just bear in mind you've missed like a lot of the, no, the you rapid missed info it. like yeah. If you jump in at this point, you're jumping in at the point when everyone is jumping in looking for a profit and it's gonna be a lot harder for you to jump in and make a big profit at this point. No, you you will not make a profit at this point, most likely. Yeah, you needed to be on this like on like day one or two when the reddit were first going like here's what the fuck we're gonna do well you needed to be in on it four months ago when the guy on reddit predicted that this could happen yeah yeah <laughs> that's when you made the real money i saw that happen with a lot of tiny little companies just tiny and just go oh yeah it happens a lot this is just one of the biggest companies it's it's happened to yeah in a way that is is so um kind of disconnected you know i brought up the tesla example there that one makes sense yeah because people are fucking i read oh god the blog i read i read a blog from a clean energy blogger that was just like you know this is about more than you know short selling Mm. this is about the future this is about climate this is about that and i was like oh god and then i think about cd project red and how passionate its adherence have been in defending Cyberpunk 2077 and defending that company. And I just think you could whip this kind of a crowd in. I mean, look at MAGA. That's that. That's you know, I just sort of view this as like, what happens when the MAGA and QAnon folks get in on this? Where does that go? Yeah. Fascinating and terrifying. Trump might end up with money again. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's the, that's that's the one hope. Is that they've already all just given it to Donald Trump. Well, yeah. Uh, right, should we talk about some things we've played this week? Yes, please. Now that we got we got a big financial thing out of the way. Who's who wants to talk about a game? You should start, because I think Jim and I each only played a game. Well, I've got I've got two. Um, and then I'm gonna just spend the rest of this podcast feeling more grody. <laughs> uh, I've got a few things. Um very quickly, I want to start by going back to a game that I mentioned last week, Deep Rock Galactic. Mm. I've continued playing that and having an absolutely great time with it. I will correct myself on something I said last week. I said that the game basically just had white, 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 and more white skin tones. The game defaults you to playing as a white character, and the in-game shop that you earn unlocks in as you play only has white skins in the 
opening hours of the game. There is a wardrobe I did not find where you can select other skin tones. It was just incredibly poorly signposted. The game did not make it clear, ah, you can also go and find some customization options here, because it just defaults you to starting as your, your bland white character. So I'll correct myself on that, but I have been having a really good time with that game. It is probably the only game I can name where I really enjoy escort missions. Hmm. Because they've got a really fun structure of how they do their escort missions. Escort missions take the form of trying to help this big drill get to a big giant geode we have a boss fight. And the drill will sort of drill its own path through the level. You stand on the back of the drill as it's doing its big thing, fighting off waves of enemies that are trying to damage it. You have a very good ability to repair your big tank drill as it goes, which means that, like, it's not one of those escort missions where the second that something touches it, it's like, no, you failed, off you go. The thing you're escorting is very sturdy so long as you keep an eye on meters and go like, okay... Stop shooting things for a second to go repair this right back to shooting waves of monsters. It's got some interesting mechanics about leaving the thing that you've escorted to go find more fuel for it and having to sort of sprint back if you see an alert going like, okay, something's attacking it. Well, let's let's get back over there and fight it. And it's sturdy enough that you have time to get back and to react to that. And then the these escort missions finish with like a really fun boss fight because apparently this geode you're trying to mine with a giant drill is somehow alive and sentient and it will like Fuck yeah. psychically throw rocks at you and fire lasers at you and it's quite fun to have a boss fight against just a big sparkly rock yeah i'm continuing to have a lot of fun with with deep rock galactic i like how easy it is to jump in and out of um playing it online with someone i've hopped in into games with jane and just sort of she's already in a mission and i'll hop in and on the fly it will go okay we'll add you into the mission and scale the enemy difficulty for the rest of the uh for the rest of the mission from here it is a really fun little game i'm having a good time with that what about you both what about you jim what have you been playing um i mean mostly monster hunter still tell us about monster hunter i want to talk more monster hunter mostly monster hunter still um yeah, I I got so panicked up on stream yesterday, which is unusual. Like, I'll get flustered and, and anxious and stuff, um, but I normally keep a lid on it. But I had to pause for a moment. Um, I had to, like, go to a, a little break for a bit because I don't know what happened. It was just one of them things where my brain, like, flipped to i won't be able to do this and then couldn't and it's like you're gonna like embarrass yourself and then just one of those spirally things and i hate rathians rathian ruined my day not a fan of rathians i mean here's the thing let me right let's explain the issues as they happened so i've been using the gun lance as I said, it, it's been fine. I was finding some frustrations with it, mostly getting the, the stabby aimed and everything, and thought, right, I've played enough Monster Hunter, I feel confident now, I'm going to do that thing that I tried to use on the 3DS one and just couldn't understand it. I'm going to get the bug-squirting jumpy stick, <laughs> yes. and I'm going to make all of my Beetleborg dreams come true and jump about like Donatello. And... I was not a Donatello Beetleborg on stream. However, the night before gave me so much confidence <laughs> because I was doing flippity-doo moves and I was jumping about and I was, like, hitting things with a bug, right? I was doing it all wrong, but I was kicking ass and feeling good. Some of it may have just been wild shooting of bugs and hammering of what few combos I knew, 
But the night before that stream, Rathian down with few problems, except for that bit where it looped me into picking me up and grabbing me for a while. Right? I go on stream. The chat starts saying, right, to target body parts, hold this. And you've got to shoot the bug at that one's head so it turns red and then you absorb it. And I was like, okay, I noticed last night I was like glowing red and blue and all the, you know, all of this shit sometimes. I had a basic overview, but then they started getting into this minutia of don't do the splatty thing you were doing and, and press these buttons to do this. And at that moment, my brain was like, oh no, oh, I've had enough of this. Not only will you not take that information in, you now can't play Monster Hunter at all. <laughs> And the Rathian took advantage of it, which I thought was very rude. And then I stopped playing that mission. And then I bullied one of the egg flamingos. And then I felt better about myself. It was annoying because the stream previously had a Rathian fight so fucking hilariously great. I saved the video for like B-roll purposes. And then that one. Oh, God. So now I need to forget everything I know about the uh, bug squirt and jumpy stick so I can not know how to use it again and then be good at it again. In fairness, I think I've got a better grasp of it now than I had. But but the God, some of the... When there's so much advice that comes to you in a chat, like even if it's bidden, one can underestimate just how much of it can overwhelm, mm. especially when it's things like, hold this to target body parts, while someone else is like, oh, don't target body parts. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't know what's happening. It can be overwhelming when you get advice from chat on a thing that you really are not sure about and people are giving conflicting information. Yeah, I think what I'm going to have to do is like request info yeah. when it's casual, like like when... There's not a monster. Yeah. When I'm on my way to one, that might be good. When I'm tracking one, I'll get advice on fighting the fucking thing. Because I'm enjoying the chat sort of helping me get to grips with Monster Hunter. Yeah. Um, very much so. It was just, that was just a, a weird thing. Stream ended up pretty well after. Um, you know, if, if you lose your confidence, you just pick, like, pick a fight with the, the bird goofy little fucker it's one of those things where sometimes you just need to say to the chat for the rest of the stream if i ask for advice on a specific thing please do give me advice on how to do that thing but otherwise please avoid giving me feedback on on what i should be doing yeah and it's mostly okay yeah and people were you know help trying to help and did help with you know i got to grips with it a bit better towards the end so well, it's it's why i like playing monster hunter as a stream game so much is because there are people that know a lot more than me who can be really helpful you know in in stream it can be mm -hmm. it, it can really help me to click with what i'm doing right or wrong with a weapon in terms of like big overall picture stuff yeah yeah um, but yeah, like trying to learn the minutiae in the middle of a Rathian fight. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Yeah. I'm not going to try and, and learn the more advanced stuff. Um, I'll, I'll stick to the flippity doos. Yeah, just, 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 just vibe it. Just, just feel the energy and do what feels right and you'll probably be fine. Like my first technique before, you know, when I tried it for the first time was just like aim the stick and squirt it uh, and then just jump up in the air and keep hitting buttons and doing flips. There's something to be said for not overthinking it. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm still really into it. It's one of those games that I sort of put in that column of there's bullshit in it that should really be the antithesis of my tastes. But 
they're really knocked out by just the the stuff I get from it. Yeah. Like, sometimes the long between fight chase sequences are really fucking annoying. I don't mind them running away and, like, the fight taking place throughout a portion of the map, but... When you're running for a long time after the thing, or if the the bugs following it, like, get confused, or, you know, once layers, like, climbing gets involved. You know, after I've fought some things that have complex hiding places for a while, I eventually get it. But, you know, by that point, the sense of adventure's gone from that particular fight. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing that just a little less tedious. And, of course, the weapon sharpening. Like, it's a bit better now that I'm not using the gun lance, which had a greater degradation, but fuck me. Yeah, yeah. Why four times? Exactly, exactly. Like, sure, make me sharpen my weapon, have that be a mechanic. Just tighten it up a little bit. Just a little bit. You shoot the automatic shotgun, right? Yeah. Before all the shells are gone. Because you don't want to be there going, ka-chug, 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 ka-chug. Who wants to do that in the middle of a scrap? Oh. Fucking hell. <laughs> but, you know, the, the the fights themselves can get really exciting. And you, you get, even when you're in an area for a while, the surprises that can happen. Like, even now, like, I've seen it twice so far, but... The next time it happens, I'll still be surprised whenever I'm fighting a monster and suddenly out of nowhere, one of the dragons, like, flies down and just, oh. like, smashes into the thing you're fighting. Like, it's just wonderful. I love chasing after a, a big boss that has run away and you arrive at where it is and it's already fighting something else and you just stand back for a minute and go, oh, yeah, you two just fight this out. This this oh, works yeah. out great for me. I just get to watch a cool monster fight. It's always fun on, like... I, th- I did it on stream where, like, the two monsters are just fighting and then I just get real close and then pull out the barbecue and just <laughs> just have a little cook-off and an eat and then, you know, jump in. Just enjoy the when show. When one of them's really fucked. Yeah. I also like hitting the, you know, the electric velociraptor? Yeah. Um, when it gets the fins that Jurassic Park got wrong about the Dilophosaurus, mm. um, when they come out to do the stun, I... I shouldn't, like, enjoy it when it tries to do it after you've broken it. And it just sparks and fails and looks really pitiful. Yeah. But but it is also... It's hard not to just start taunting them. Just, oh, oh, you're so jacked up. Are you limping? Are you limping? Do you need a little sleep? If, If there's one thing that Monster Hunter as a series gets real good is... Uh, you've damaged this monster enough that just before that final uh, combat you're going to have with it, where it starts trying to limp away and it's like, oh, I've got this, I've got this. You're just like, you're a fucking mess. You are a fucking wreck. Look at yourself. Oh, I broke your horn. Can you not attack me properly oh. anymore? Because I broke the horns on your face. Oh. Tail off. Oh, tail. Horns shattered. Wings to ribbons. Limping away. Trying to get back to its little nest so it can have an eat on something. You're like, no, you're not fucking eating that. I'm murdering you. And and the next thing it knows is it's roused from consciousness, either because someone's hacked it in the head yeah. or it's being fucking electrocuted. Monster Hunter's pretty good. I mean, it's something. And hey, no loot boxes will ever come to it. Which should be actually true, because I remember the producer once spoke out years ago, and Capcom recently come out against it, even though they had loot boxes, 
just last year in, in Resident Evil Resistance, but hopefully going forward. Someone brought up, I don't know if this is accurate, I think the loot box stuff in Resident Evil Resistance is not purchasable with real money. It was. Was it? I don't know enough about that game. I remember it being purchasable with real money. Yes, yeah, so to just reference what that story is, Capcom has made a statement in their 2020 financial report that doesn't outright say we will never do loot box type mechanics ever again. Let's have a look through. Capcom believes that games should be enjoyed for the entertainment value they provide with gameplay, not the thrills associated with winning a lottery. So far, so good. We do not want to see games that are supposed to make people happy having the opposite effect as a result of excessive charges. Again, right. good so far. Yeah. The the defence is actually one of those things that really fucking piss me off. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to cut in here. That's how it worked, right? It was You can't buy the loot boxes for real money, you can buy the boosters... Ah, mm. for real money that boosts it up. So, you know, now that that's jogs, because I was like, I know I had a go at the loot boxes and I don't ha- go in on them. This is the bit that pisses me off. Because the person who issued that also said, oh, they don't give you an advantage. They're costumes and voice lines and emotes. And I'm like... That doesn't make a difference. They're still fucking addictive to people who are prone to that. How do people follow me? Yeah. <laughs> While I get accused of repeating myself too many times and not know, <laughs> it's just cosmetic. I don't say that sarcastically because I believe it. Yeah. So we'll finish their statement. They're like, for that reason, we're working to ensure that all users can enjoy our games fairly and safely. In principle, we minimize gacha elements in the mobile games we develop. So they're very clear. They're not getting rid of them entirely from mobile yeah. games. They're just like, Oh, we'll minimise them. In our home video games, we provide any content required to enjoy the full game free of charge while offering some additional content at low cost. And that really sounds like they're like, well, we're still going to do some stuff like that, but it's going to be cheap, so it's fine, okay? And it won't be like you won't need it to finish the game, so it's okay. We're we're not going to be that exploitative. We're just going to be a little exploitative. And look... If we take this at face value and it turns out to be true and they do make a real concerted effort in the coming months to not have loot boxes and those kind of predatory microtransactions in games anymore, great, I would love to see it and I'll praise you if you do it. If this pans out to mean anything, then sure, great, but I don't want to assume that it means sunshine and rainbows from the statement itself existing. No. Uh, Conrad, what have you been playing this week? Um, I wrote it down. It's called Cyber Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. So this just came out um, a couple days ago. It's published by Yacht Club Games. Yeah, I was just Googling to be like, is that is this that one published by Yacht Club? This is that one published by Yacht Club. It's developed by Mechanical Head Games. Um, every, every review I've read on uh, the Xbox store does not seem to understand the distinction. This It isn't your Yacht Club game. They didn't develop it but it is interesting imagine if you took the general gameplay and aesthetic of a ninja gaiden game Mm. okay you know short range attack but you gave it the pacing of a castlevania game Mm. in that you just doesn't feel that fast necessarily but you can get overwhelmed as opposed to ninja gaiden where it's a little more frantic with the stage design of a Mega Man game. Huh. And 
you kind of have Cyber Shadow. I have no idea what's going into the story because I only had time to play a couple of levels um, in the hour before I or realized, oh crap, I didn't play anything this week for Podquisition. But it's, you know, sci-fi ninja thing. You're awakened from a capsule thing and you're, you know, at reduced capacity, but you have to go save all of your fellow ninjas from some horrible force. Uh, and you're being led around by a robot thing that's filling you in along the way. It's it's pretty basic. It's fun. It's not complicated. It feels pretty satisfying. It is challenging. Uh, there's a bit of, you know, knock around into instant kill environmental stuff, which is, you know, why I draw a comparison to, to fucking Mega Man. It, it's all over that. But there's also, you know, hidden pathway things to find. Uh, you can replay levels that you visited and um, get additional upgrades to health and um, special weapon usage. And you do collect over time special weapons. Uh, I've gotten a Shrooken so far that uh, gives me a ranged attack. But uh, I think you get, it looks like there's like six of them that you collect along the way. I assume they'll have other abilities because you can select one at any time to have equipped. Good music. It's it's fun. It's on Game Pass, uh, which is why I'm, I'm playing it. Yeah. Not a bad little platformer. It definitely feels like they are trying to make something that feels like an amalgamation homage to um, those types of platformers altogether. And it, it, it feels really good. It's fun. Nice. Yeah. Other stuff I've been playing this week. I'm continuing to get into speedrunning games. Mm. I've moved I've moved on from Cooking Mama Cookstar. I've got all the world records on that. I've managed to reclaim any of the ones that other people took, and I'm like, right, I need a new thing to play. I've started speedrunning Babysitting Mama for the Wii, which mm. is like a decade mm-hmm. old. So this is a decade old Wii game that nobody bought, so you can buy it new in box for like ten bucks and it comes with a controller that is is a, is a baby. Y- you stick a Wii remote inside the spine of an infant. Mm-hmm. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. So much like any Cookin' Mama kind of game, it's a mini. It's a mini game compilation title. I will say that I was surprised at how many uses they found for this weird baby controller as gameplay mechanic. Yeah. It's one of the more creative uses of how many different minigames can we find to use using largely just motions. And it does that pretty well. The game seesaws back and forth between being like genuinely almost kind of sweet and sincere in places and then being uncanny terrifying mess territory. There is a major difference in trying to speedrun this game compared to Cooking Mama Cookstar that I was playing a couple of weeks ago. And the main difference here is because the game is about looking after children, there are a lot fewer places where you can deliberately fail minigames in order to progress faster because the game does not want to depict children not being looked after properly. To the point that literally between every single minigame, the whole screen will be taken up with a full screen reminder. No, 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 please don't shake the baby. Mama says never shake the baby. A good babysitter never shakes the baby. Um, Like, every single fucking level you get a full screen reminder that you should not shake children. The challenge in trying to speedrun this was largely not accidentally getting the game to think you'd shaken the child when you hadn't. I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, right? Right. But you remember that old saying, like, if you keep having to remind your audience not to do something... Maybe there's something wrong with your content. It makes me wonder what they're doing with this game that is convincing people they have to shake the baby. I 
I'm going to be honest, I would have had a lot less desire to shake the baby if the game hadn't constantly, constantly, <laughs> constantly reminded me that shaking the baby was an option on the table. It's like that thing where they're like, don't think about something and then you can't help doing it. Like if you, yeah. if you yell baby shake enough times, like it's all going to get jumbled up. You've said it so many times, all I think of is shaking babies. Yeah, exactly. So like, if you do happen to shake the baby, the game like <laughs> pauses for a second. It, you, you get like a two, three, four second long pause where the game goes, no, 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 please don't shake the baby. And then you have to wait before you can press a button and get back into the minigame, which for a speedrun, obviously, that's a bad thing. I very much was having to be like, right, what's the right level of like, because a lot of the minigames, it tells you not to shake the baby, but a lot of the minigames are like, push the baby on the swing, which is very close to a shaking motion, or move the baby up and down on a seesaw, which is very close to a shaking motion. The game tells you to do a lot of things that aren't quite shaking, and then tells you off if you do them too vigorously because you're shaking the baby. That's the game. You can deliberately fail any of the minigames that aren't about keeping the child alive and healthy. So like, playing peekaboo with the child, fucking just walk in front of the child's cone of vision straight away. Be like, oh, you fucking found me, you're so smart, infant. Uh, you can skip past that. Any of the minigames where, like, Cooking Mama is running around doing something that isn't immediately looking after the baby, you can just, like, not touch the controller and she'll fall flat on her face. Like, oh, you got to get to the store to get groceries. Nope, fall, fall flat on your face in a puddle. Fuck you, I'm skipping this minigame. I've had fun with it. It's not a good game. But, like, it'll be like, oh, this is actually kind of a genuinely sweet, like, ah, going through child's first steps, that's kind of sweet. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, you've you've hopped up the baby on milk and they're now doing a hundred yard dash race against another baby, like, sprinting. It's it's a weird game. Anyway, I have a world record speedrun at Babysitting Mama now. And Fuck yeah, you do. Yeah, I'm up to nine, nine speedrunning world records across those two games. I'm going to try and get six more records on Babysitting Mama because they've got individual categories for every one of the six babies. And I'm like, I, c I could do that in a few hours. So, like... If I can put, like, another, like, five hours into this game, I could probably bring myself up to about 15 speedruns, at which point, that's a respectable number. I can play something that isn't a Cooking Mama spin-off. That's been my week, learning how to get better at babysitting children quickly. Excellent. Jim, have you played anything else this week? Have I played anything else this week? Uh, let's have a look. It's just occurred to me that with Capcom selling boosters to get to the loot boxes. Maybe when they said they'll minimise the loot boxes, maybe they just meant they'll minimise the perception of loot boxes. Oh, they'll just minimise your awareness of the loot boxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, using the same sort of roundabout, weaselly bullshit every other publisher uses. But anyway, I've played Unworthy. What's Unworthy? Uh, Casey Explosion was playing it on her stream the other day, and... I played it because it looked quite good. Casey described it as like Dark Souls via the Game Boy. Is this a black and white pixely thing? Yes, everything like the characters and enemies and everything are all like silhouette and stuff. And it's, yeah, it's it's not, you know, doesn't look exactly like a Game Boy game, but it's got that aesthetic to it. Yeah. And it's side scrolling. You can attack and you can roll and you do not block you have a an auto block that once you're hit, it has to recharge for quite a while. Um, I know you can unlock different weapons and things, and there's like a like 
I think, skills. There's leveling up and stuff as you go on. Right now, I'm just really early. Um, so it's really simple and straightforward, but interesting, interesting. Um, it's got a real nice mood to it, um, which the, the the visuals help with. But I, I, I can't say too much so far. Um, it looks very promising. I'm going to have uh, another go. Casey seemed uh, really impressed with it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, that's really it, because it's been mostly Monster Hunter. I, I only briefly tried it. But that's something to look at. Uh, I think it's on s- sale on Steam. It might be on sale on Steam. And it's I know it's on Switch as well. Uh, it's fourteen ninety nine on Steam. It's not oh, on sale. Okay, but that's the same as it's on, on Switch as well. Yeah, nice. I dipped back into a game that I was playing a bit last week, and I've got a few more thoughts on it now. Uh, this is that one, The Red Lantern, mm. the doing dog sledding across uh, across the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it, but it's certainly not without some some flaws to be aware of. For a game that is run-based, there are some aspects of it that feel weirdly out of my control that I didn't hugely enjoy. Um, There's one notable moment that seemed to happen in every single playthrough I had, and I couldn't find any way to avoid it, and maybe there's a way to avoid it, but I feel like it's a deliberately scripted event, and it's kind of frustrating, is at some point in every run, about a third of the way through, I would hear an owl hooting and not see it, and be given the option of go chase the owl or ignore the owl, and no matter which of the two I picked, uh, would result in me coming face to face with a very large animal and being injured and having to use my only health pack that I had to heal myself from that and then hear a bit of story about, oh no, our journey's suddenly, it was going so well and now it's going badly. And I kept thinking, surely there's like a trick to this. I could not work out a way to not get injured by it and the fact that there is like a good chunk of voiceover that happens after it happens, I think it's a scripted event, which feels really frustrating in a game that's meant to be about making better runs. But that said, I really enjoyed the game. There's a lot of stuff that I hadn't been aware of um, originally. So like the way that the game is is structured is that every time you fail to make this journey um, across the ice, it's basically contextualized as, oh, that was me just having a dream about what might happen. I should be better prepared next time you go in with slightly better equipment. There are items you can find along the way that will be permanent upgrades that you will start every run with that open things up really nicely. I definitely felt like by the time I'd played for a couple of hours I had a lot more options of how to control how my run went. But the real reason that this game has really won my heart over, it's not a particularly long game but the dogs are lovely the dogs are really nice and I've really enjoyed just every now and then starting a new save file and picking four completely different dogs and seeing how they all interact and going on this big adventure with them Those dogs did look really good Yeah so like, I'm going to tell you about one dog just to give you like a sense of the kind of like narrative progression that happens throughout this journey. There is a dog in this who uh, their whole deal is that they are a bit skittish when you first get them. They are not mm-hmm. good with people. And uh, they're like, hey, look, this dog is great at running. They are great at tracking down things based on smells. They are not good around people, and you're going to have some difficulties getting them to do what you want at first. By, I think it was like the third night of this journey, the dog stole my hat and wanted to fall asleep with my hat. And then from then on, every time you went and made a camp, you had a separate option to be like, do you want to let the dog sleep with your hat tonight? And you would take a little penalty for doing so because you'd be colder at night, you'd start the day with like a um, a cold debuff on you, so you'd have some like 
additional difficulties to tackle, but you started unlocking this progression path where the dogs started being more open to to being pet initially, and it starts building up like you start getting these specific events that are like you and this dog bonding events because you continuously made the choice to be like, yeah, I'm going to have a debuff tomorrow, but it's fine. Let the dog sleep with the hat it wants to sleep with. Like, that's the kind of stuff this game has done really well, is little bits of mechanics that bring out the personality of the dogs you are going on this journey with. And while I have my complaints about, like, sometimes things feeling a little bit like, there's no way I could have known how that was going to pay out, or I didn't have proper information to, to really make that choice terribly in, in a terribly informed way. The dogs and the way they react and the way they interact with each other and the way that like you learn more about them the further you get in is really charming. I had a run, I think it was my first successful run where I made it all the way to the other side, where right toward the end of the run, I had been attacked by a bear. And I'd managed to fend it off eventually, but myself and one of the dogs had been had been injured. We ended up wrapping the dog up in a in a little blanket and putting it on the sled and being like, "Don't worry, we'll we'll run the rest of the way without you." And we had like uh, less max speed and less stamina on the like the the dogs running. And every now and then, the dogs kept looking back at the dog on the sled, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this is." It has some problems as a game, but I really enjoyed my time playing it. So yeah, I, I I recommend I recommend the Red Lantern with a sort of caveat of look, there are some problems with it as a game, but even as a person that doesn't like dogs, I've really kind of fell in love with all of the dogs in this game. They're all very sweet. Uh, have either of you played anything else this week? No. Yeah, quite honestly, not. That's fair. Should we talk about a couple of newsy bits before we finish up? Oh, we most certainly can. Oh, we should. Yeah. Been a big week of news. It's been a big week for newsy stuff. Uh, shall we start with Dead by Daylight and mm. it getting colorblind support? Yeah, that's, mm. uh, yeah. sure. Yeah, so the, the short version of this is that um, a designer on Dead by Daylight this week did a Twitch stream on his personal Twitch channel. The guy's name is Ethan Larson and basically he went on a bit of a rant that got clipped and started doing the rounds on Twitter. I'm going to read some of the transcript of what he said. He he was complaining about a, a, a viewer blabbing about colorblind mode all the time. Oh, It's getting really boring. We've heard it a million times. We know. Continuing to badger us about it isn't going to change anything. If it gets done, it'll get done when we have time to do it or if someone decides that it's something that should be done. We know a lot of players want it. We know it's not a small number. We get it. Basically, got really angry and pissed off at someone for, you know, going, hey, can we have colorblind mode, please? The game's kind of unplayable for colorblind people. Now, there are some bits of information that I think are probably important context. The person in the chat was posting a request for colorblind mode a lot of times. He was, he was probably, you could, you could, you would describe him as spamming the chat, which, you know, there are ways to go about that that don't involve shouting at someone for their request for accessibility support. You know, you can offer someone a timeout in chat. Yeah, that doesn't excuse the the re the reaction that this person had to that request. Yeah. But contextually Yeah. But also important context is that this this wasn't an isolated incident of people asking for colorblind support. No. The community have been asking for colorblind support to be added to Dead by Daylight for about a year and a half. Yeah. It has been very, very, very vocally requested. Um, like boycotts of the game have happened on 
uh, colorblind awareness days. It has been a big community push for a long time. It's not like an unknown issue. And I've seen defenses of Larson saying, well, he's a designer, he probably doesn't know the answer to that, to which I would perhaps say, if you've been asked about it so frequently that you feel the need to shout at disabled people for asking for accessibility support, you work on the game, you could probably ask someone. Like, you you have the tools to ask about that. Sure. Not now, you know, and, and again, this is... Oh, the problem is that they were live yeah, and that they were representing the company that they work for. Yeah, like they, they were doing a stream of the game they work on. They were ostensibly representing the, the company they work for. And it reflects badly on the company if you shout at people for requesting disability stuff. Well, and if you are doing that, if you're doing that kind of role or you're put in that kind of position, it's kind of important to the people who handle PR and communications and marketing to make sure that the person who is representing the company on the stream of the product has answers that are satisfactory to questions like this one. Yeah. Or even just, unfortunately, I don't work in that part of the team. Yes. So if they are working on it, I don't know the answer. I wouldn't be the right person to ask. I understand that it's really important Perfect. to you, but I can't answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. That, now, you know, and again, no, and nobody's going to excuse the, I think, the manner in which this person, at least here, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are excusing it. But, um, I mean, on the bright side, at the least, it does seem like there has been confirmation from the company that it is in development and happening. Yeah. Not nothing. Yeah. After this clip started doing the rounds a bit, the developer on their official Twitter basically said, Ah, this isn't really how we wanted to announce this, but we have been working on colorblind support for a while. It is coming soon. Can't say when. We don't stand behind how Larson handled this situation. Now, wh whether you how how much stock you put into yeah, that they've been working on it for a while or not is you know up to you. Let's say that that this is accurate and they have been working on it for a while. I would say this speaks to a problem that has been just like a general complaint I've had about accessibility stuff for a while, which is stop trying to make accessibility settings secret surprise reveals that you, you sort of hold on to. Yeah, that's not necessary. Yeah, like you saw this uh, with the way that, say, Sony handled the launch of the PS5 and didn't talk about um, whether or not you'd be able to turn off adaptive triggers at the system level until, like, days before the console released. You know the answers to those questions. I don't think it would have hurt your game, Dead by Daylight developers, to put out a statement at some point saying, we are very aware that people have requested a colorblind mode. We cannot promise uh, if or when it will happen, but we are aware of the requests and we are looking into whether we can make one. We understand it's important. We're trying to make one. Yeah. Like, you could have done that. You don't have to ignore it to the point that one of your team feels the need to shout and go, oh, fucking blabbing on about wanting to play the game and be able to see it. And I mean, okay, sure. This runs the risk of demonstrating what priority level you're applying to this uh situation that could go well or poorly but you also have an opportunity when you're doing something like this to demonstrate the process and the challenges inherent to redesigning a ui and and gameplay mechanics to function with those accessibility options in mind that can be huge but instead you're hiding it yeah i wish that more game developers would treat 
accessibility settings they're working on in the same way that you see, like, games as service roadmaps treated. Yes. Here are the things that we have, uh, that we have seen that you want, that we think are reasonable, that we hope to do, and here's when we can probably do them by. Because accessibility fundamentally will impact whether someone can play your game or not, so just be open. That that's a, that's a case where I would just urge developers, be open about what you are and are not going to do on your game yeah. in, in that regard. Cause... And it's good to think about it now, because not only is it overdue, I can just pick up that this is going to be a growing conversation over the course of the next generation, over the course of the next few years. Like, when you look at game conversations, you can pick up, like, things that start, like, growing in Mm -hmm. terms of what Mm -hmm. people are talking about, and this is one of them. Yeah, Yeah. Um, It's been going on for a while now, and I think it's very much going to be a thing, especially because of the positive coverage games like Celeste and and The Last of Us 2 sort of got. And, and you know, take... take what is happening here with Dead by Daylight as an example of what can happen if you are not thinking about these things from go. Indeed. And you and you may not be qualified to think about these things from go. And that's why you hire people who do know. Yeah. Get a disability consultant. I will say on top of this, though, that Yes, in a perfect world, get those people involved and get those things in place when the game launches. And if it's an economic thing, consider how much money you will spend potentially redesigning and overhauling all of these systems. Yeah. It's great to have games that launch in an accessible state, like the examples that you gave a minute ago, Jim, of Celeste and The Last of Us 2. But, like, don't overlook the possibility of adding stuff later. Like, that is, you know, it's not going to be as cheap to do, but there are ways you can do it. Look at, say, for comparison, and I know it's a much more graphically simple game, but um, Among Us. Among Us is a great example to contrast Dead by Daylight to, because that game launched in a state where it was not accessible to colorblind players. When it blew up and got popular in the summer of 2020, people were pretty vocal about like we cannot do the wire matching game because we're colorblind Mm -hmm. and they couldn't implement it straight away but they were like we are we have heard you we will work on something we will let you know once we have a timetable they then updated people with a timetable then did a patch and the patch didn't fundamentally change the color of the colors of the wires but what it did do was here are some symbols on the wires that was a quick and easy way that they could get around not having to fundamentally change like they found a workaround because they hadn't thought about it earlier like that's a great example of we get that it's important we'll find some way to do it around about the beginning of the 2010s a popular phrase from game producers and executives and everything was appeal to a wider audience. Mm -hmm. And I used to spit that phrase out because it was bullshit from their perspective. Like, the way they meant it was bullshit. It was never about actually finding a wider audience, which means a more diverse audience. They just wanted to make more money out of the audience they had, and they wanted more versions of the audience they had to get more money from. Right. Mm. And and I, I think of that phrase often when I think of um, accessibility options and um, other you know forms of uh, diversity and representation in games and everything it's like the wider audience is they're there you fools yeah I'm not saying you know don't stop doing the other shit you do although yeah yeah but also you can still fill your boots on that and still like bother 
to bring an actual wider audience in. Exactly. Plug for myself for a minute. On Friday, I've got a video going up on youtube.com slash laurakbuzz very specifically about, hey, accessibility support for games post-launch is a really great way to get more people buying your game because there are new pe- there are new people who literally could not buy your game before but can now. It is a financially viable thing to do. But, like, we live in a world now where post-launch support for games is a thing. Games don't release finished and polished anymore. Stuff gets fixed after the fact. Fuck it. If you're going to account for, like, the the next three or four months after your game launches, fixing bugs, fixing game balance, fixing uh, difficulty, and all adding post-launch content, and whatever you, you know, the things that everyone does with their games now, make some of those patches be for accessibility. Yeah, and account for it while you're doing it, like, like Laura said, the roadmap thing. It's never too late to add those features in. Even if you can't get them in by launch day, putting them in after launch will still let more people go, oh, I can buy your game now. And it's only going to get more standardised. Yeah. Accessibility is is not an end point. It's a process. Keep updating your games to make them more accessible. Just just consider that as an option. Ah, go watch accessibility. Go, go do that. Mm-hmm. Lots of you who listen don't watch it. You should go watch it. And it's not people being whiny, and it's not people, <laughs> you know, looking for special treatment. It's people that want to... Just buy yeah. and play and enjoy games like anyone else. That's the thing that frustrated me about the, the way this uh, that Larson was talking on the stream. It's like, don't get frustrated that people who desperately ask for accessibility options, because if someone's asking this fervently, what it means is you've got a fantastic game that I I just fucking wish I could play, but I am disabled. Please just let me play the really cool game you've made. And like that, that's a thing that you shouldn't be angry that players feel like that you should go oh damn there's a group of people who would love to be playing our game and just can't and that's like we we should be trying to get bring those people into the game uh so that was a that was a story that was Comrade, do you want to say something about this story about Ninja? We should probably say something about this story about Ninja. Oh my god, I, I completely forgot about the story about Ninja. Why did so much shit happen this week? This week was a fucking busy week. I've only seen the headline so far because I was like, right, I'll make a mental log of that to read up about it at some point before Monday. But my god, I do not care enough right now. <laughs> so I don't know much about this. Okay, so Ninja um recently was quoted in an interview, basically asserting that it's not his responsibility uh, to teach his audience about things like white privilege and racism. Yeah. And that it is the, you know, it's the job of the parents to do that. He's basically washed his hands of responsibility for what goes on in his chat. Yeah. Which, okay. It was an interview with the New York Times, mm-hmm. and specifically, he, he was asked about, like, the behaviour of young people in his Twitch chat, and the question he was asked was, do you feel like you could mitigate their bad behaviour, and that you have any kind of, that you could do it, and that you have a responsibility to do it as someone they look up to? And the streamer argued, uh, let, let me find a quote. It all comes down to parenting. You know, it, you, you want to know who your kid is, listen to them. when Listen to them when they're playing video games, when he thinks you're not listening. Here's another thing. How does a white kid know he has white privilege if his parents never teach him or talk about racism? Okay, and and, and we're going to stop. I want to stop right here. Yep, yep, stop me there. Go ahead. Okay, but but what if their parents aren't aware of their white privilege or are racists? Yeah, you're assuming that every child in your audience has a good supportive home that will teach them these things. And that does not necessarily mean, oh my gosh, as a result of somebody unconnected to you's 
you know, family situation, you yeah. have responsibility for that. However, to say that, you know, well, this person who is is quite possibly in a position where they're never going to be able to learn these things that are clearly damaging to society, yeah. uh, I'm just going to wash my hands because I don't care. Yeah. Fuck you. The other thing is this is a sort of passive acceptance yeah. that this is the way things are that is troubling, especially for a personality who is a business. Yeah. Who would be well served to protect their business by making their business an environment that is conducive to the broadest audience possible. And, and I, I it truly, it, it kills me because when you hear about the amount of money that has been paid in deals to Ninja over the last few years between the Mixer deal and... Oh, yes. He's moved to Mixer and then back, now to, back to, Twitch to Twitch and whatever, yeah. When I think about how little it would actually cost in comparison to how much money is being made now and the possible percentage increase, which, again, if you're making that kind of money, a small percentage is a lot of money. Yeah. Simply by hiring a moderation team to just cut the shit from the chat as it comes yeah. in and address the people who come in and say, oh, what the fuck was that? That's it. It's all it takes. Yeah. So to finish reading his fucking statement, if your kids are gaming and their first interaction with racism is one of their friends saying the N-word and they have no idea what it is, what if it was on my stream? Is it my job to have the conversation with this kid? No, because the first thing that's going on in my head is the kid's doing this on purpose to troll me. Deal with that! Deal with the fact that they're trolling you! I was yeah. about to say, like, what happens on his channel? Like, surely there's been times where, you know, dogpiling and, like, people have been in there, like, laying into him and that. Like, does he just let it happen? Does he just, like, let it all slide? Yeah, it, it, it sounds like he's like, oh, someone said the N-word in my chat? I'm not going to do anything about it. What if they're trolling me? And by deleting them or, or you know, saying, probably don't say that. Oh, may, oh, I'll have been caught by the libs. You don't have to give it oxygen or attention. You don't have to stop playing Fortnite and have a, you know, very special episode. No. You just say, this is unacceptable, block and move on. You don't have to say anything. Because anybody who's really paying attention, you hire a moderator, the moderator will delete it. Yeah. Everyone knows. Silently communicates, yeah. it takes completely any oxygen out of their trolling, and it's fucking dealt with. This isn't hard, this is basic community management shit. And an unwillingness to do that is just demonstrative of how you do not fucking give a shit about your business. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it boils down to this is the same person who years ago put out an official statement that he will never collaborate with a woman in the games industry because reasons. Well, th because their expectation of their audience is such that they think that it would make his life difficult. Yeah. Basically, he's not even telling his audience to not shake the baby. Yeah, no. Yeah. The thing about Ninja is that he does not want to do anything that will make his job even the tiniest bit more difficult. And if if that means, well, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna work with women because then oh, I might have to have conversations about what my related what's going on there. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about it's bad to be a racist because then I might, that might be a difficult conversation. Don't want to have that. He just wants to play his Fortnite and never do anything difficult. Think about how much easier it would be 
if you never had to have the conversation again about whether or not your community was full of racism. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just rereading his whole thing about never streaming with women. Yeah. Yeah. I remember someone comparing it to Mike Pence. Uh, I mean, he's weird. From everything I've seen, just the God. All right. This stems from someone who's just afraid to piss off their own audience. That's what it comes down to. Oh, for sure. It is really depressing when these are the kind of people who are the big popular figureheads of the games industry that are the known names and faces. Couldn't we just have one nice, respectful person who was was mega popular in games who, you know... Wasn't afraid to say racism is bad. Don't be a racist. Yeah, nobody's saying they can't be white. Okay, <laughs> like we'll settle. Yeah, I I would settle for ah. Here is you know top three streamers in the world. White man who ina- occasionally acknowledges yeah things are easier for me because I'm white. That's a compromise I can live with. I will I will accept. Yes, I had an easier time getting here because I'm a white person. But yeah, that that that's how low the bar is. <laughs> Fucking, why are all of the ones who get to the top so fucking bad? I mean, and it's not just that. It's so corporate. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of this is. This is corporate risk aversion. This is, I don't want to get involved. This is, the division isn't political. That's all this is. It's that, it's the same bullshit, but with blue hair. So we don't think it's corporate, Laura. I see right through you. Yeah. Like, if if I try and think of the biggest names that have been... The biggest name on Twitch and the biggest name on YouTube, like, all time in video game content, it's going to be Ninja and fucking PewDiePie. And you've got one who refuses to tell his chat that they shouldn't say the N-word and one who was caught on stream saying the N-word. That's not a good top two. They influence nations. Nations! So... It's real fucking not good top two. Yeah... Euro Truck Simulator 2 had a quest where you could deliver COVID vaccines and then then the developers said they have no opinion on vaccines. Well, it's not their job to educate their audience. No. Jim, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to, you, you, you know about this story, uh, what, do you want to... What was it I was saying about how corporate all this is? It's the, it's the, it's the same story, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I'll, I'll briefly go through it, because I, I did it on the Gymquisition, I don't want to, like, go over every point I made, but Euro Truck Simulator had an event um, about delivering vaccines in, I guess, celebration of deliveries of vaccines, but they didn't want to be seen celebrating it, so they initially... The first most people hear of it is just to the press release without knowing about the event. Yeah. Which is what first made me think it was a parody. The SCS software would put out a statement saying, we are neither for nor against vaccines. Ah. But we do think truck drivers weren't really hard. So, <laughs> a paraphrasing. But that first bit was verbatim. And then said it was a mistranslation. Which, okay. But the rewritten is... It's not better. It's the same, but more cowardly. Because now it's not, we don't take a stand. Now it's whether you are for or against vaccines. Whether it's your problem, not ours. Whether you're in the Twitch chat mouthing off or not. Um, That's, they put 
they took themselves out of the equation to make it even more centrist and safe for themselves. And it goes right back to what I said about the division and what I always say about Ubisoft when I'm not saying that they spent years protecting um, abusers of all kinds um, at every level of the company. What I say about their exploitation of political imagery without... Uh, well, I'm just doing the Jimquisition again now, but, you know, if you want to base something in your game off political imagery and real-life events, have a fucking stance, or don't fucking bother, because the lack of stance is a stance, and it's a shit one. Especially when they're anti-vaxxers. Come on, that's a gimme. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm just going to say this. I don't think you you can, in any world, expect people to believe that putting an event in your game about delivering vaccines is uh, an anti-vax stance. Yeah. Like, you do that because you think that it's good to give people vaccines. That's why you would help people get vaccines. Right. If you wanted to make the game uh, from an anti-vaccination perspective, you would be the the people, you know, in the military fatigues that come up and you know, steal all of the vaccines out of the truck and it'd be like a third-person squad shooter game. Tom Clancy's vaccine. I wonder how many people are live-streaming this game and just, like, like rolling the trucks off the road. <laughs> just to destroy the vaccines and own the lift. Just constantly, yeah, just getting more yeah. and more vaccine delivery jobs and just sending the trucks into a ravine. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you know, yeah. if you if you got equal points, equal rewards, money, I think, you just, if you got paid the same, whether you deliver it or just chuck it all in a river, then you've got yourself the centrist dream. Then you're solid as <laughs> snake holding two swords, one called Democrat and Republican. <laughs> I'm still not over it. Everyone needs to watch the Jimquisition this week. It was a very good one. Mm-hmm. Solidus. No. Fucking Democrat and Republican. Oh, it's amazing. Do you remember yeah. in the game when when he's compared to Liquid Snake and he goes, Oh, brother, I'm a whole different game from Liquid. Solidus Snake, you wild dog. I love Solidus Snake. I mean, he's a fucking monster, don't get me wrong, but as a character, just he's something else. Yeah. I bet his tentacles are called pro-choice and pro-life. <laughs> and the last thing I'm just going to throw on the list for today, Mass Effect 2 has very little in the way of gay romance options. Mass Effect 1? Had a decent number. Mass Effect 3 has a decent number. Mass Effect 2 weirdly doesn't give you many, many gay romance options. Mm-hmm. Apparently, big part of that was the fallout to that infamous Fox News piece about Mass Effect being a sex simulator. Mm-hmm. Part of the fallout to that was that higher-ups told uh, writer Brian Kindergarten uh, in an interview with The Gamer that... um. Things such as uh, the character Jack, the sort of uh, shaved-headed, tattooed, badass lady, couldn't romance her as Femme Shep because gay sex with a with a shaved head lady who is a human and not an alien was mm, can't risk that after the Fox News thing, which is just kind of disappointing. I've got a lot to say about this and some other recent and older controversies, and it'll probably be one of the full-length subject Jimquisitions as opposed to the newer ones we've been doing. Yeah. Because um, I'm still going to do some of them. And, and But if you think it was the lefties and the liberals and the SJWs that were censoring your games, you're a 
fucking idiot. You are a fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's always been it's always been the same. Yeah. Games have tried to, you know, many times to be like, let's have more things like um like like sex and gay people in games and it's the right wing folks who go, No, don't like it. Be good Christians. And and yeah, well and it's and, and, and it is a thing that, you know, to a certain extent straddles party lines. Because it's about conservatism yeah. conceptually. And so you, know, you have your tipper gores and, and so forth who are ostensibly Democrats, you know, liberals, so to speak. But no, it's, <laughs> it's still about moral panic and restriction. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I think that's everything for today. Oh, I, I feel like we've done enough. Yeah, yeah, we've we've done plenty. Today's been a we did a big one today, everyone. Well done, us. Uh, <laughs> we've done all right, Laura. Me. Oh, oh, for God's sake! We may have had enough, but some people might not have, and they'd be like, "Oh God, where is there more Laura?" And they need to know more Laura. Laura K Buzz, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Please go to YouTube and check out every Friday I do a series called Accessibility on YouTube. This week's episode is about post-launch support for accessibility settings and the right and wrong ways to do that. And it is an episode I'm real happy about. Plus the next two weeks we've got two real good episodes coming out. Next week's is going to be one with a special guest, hopefully, which is going to be cool. And then I've got one about face blindness coming up the week after that that I'm real happy with and I'm excited to get out there. Um, other than that, there's books. Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being an autistic trans woman. It's out now. Uh, Things I Learned from Mario's Butt comes out on Thursday the 4th of February. That's a week after this podcast comes out. It's going to be publishing on the day that the next, the next podquisition goes up, so... Go pre-order that. Go check that out. It's a book about butts. It's got pictures of butts and words about butts. Uh, there's also Gender Euphoria. That's coming out on June 10th, 2021. It's a book of non-cis people's just good gender-affirming real-life stories. You should, you should check that out. And then there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt. It's about video game porn. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't video games. Stuff like board games, TV, film, music. There's Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. They're all their own self-contained stories. Have a look what setting seems interesting and check one of them out. I'm on that series with Conrad. Hey, that is true. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You could hang out with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern, right before Laura gets on. Yeah, I'm on like three hours after that. I come on right after you. What a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like it was planned. Um, on Friday, come check it out, because I'm going to be playing Cyber Shadow, the game I talked about briefly. And there, it is pretty needed, but you should see it. It, it's, it. it looks real good, and it plays pretty damn well. Uh, you could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks from me at conradreads.com or just give me money to help support all of the things I do on the internet at Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark. And speaking of Patreons, Jim, don't you have a Patreon? Oh, for the love of God. Uh, yes. For the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, I do. It's patreon.com slash jimquisition. 
go on it if you want. It's there. And you can go on Twitch TV slash uh, Jim Sterling. Um, I think I've, I'm more or less settling at least into Tuesdays at 2 Eastern, I think. I mean, I'm going to still see how long I can do that without something going disastrously wrong, but we'll see. And then, you know, look into doing some other stuff throughout the week, but should be Tuesdays at two if if you're around for that. Um other than that, yeah, um check out the the new Jimquisition. It was a very good one. We've been uh I'm really happy with the new format and everything. Yeah. Um and I don't just mean the show structure. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm talking about my tits. <laughs> See you next week everyone. Bye. Bye.